everybody, welcome to episode number 30. I'm Mark. And I'm Ray. And this week, Ray had an opportunity to catch up with singer, actor, writer, voiceover artist, Liz Huff. And interesting thing, Ray, is that Liz started out as an opera singer and works with some local composers. She recently just launched a podcast where she has classical music and possibly a little bit of a little bit of jazz mm-hmm. come in and perform live. And she's working with the I guess sound engineer to the Cleveland Orchestra to produce this podcast and felt as though that you know, music that she her and her colleague are hearing on podcasts just isn't up to snuff from an audio engineering perspective. So they decided, hey, let's launch this podcast. Similar thing with a newsletter she runs and some of the music that she creates. So I thought it was interesting just to sit down and kind of talk to an individual that has a lot of experience in classical, in opera, and in music that we typically don't spend a lot of time on tunes, mate. We have gone into it because of our appreciation, but it was interesting to explore that music genre and really get to know someone that has an appreciation for it and performs it. You know, that it really speaks to the idea that no matter what kind of music you have, a lot of people may think of pop music versus classical music at odds with one another. And that comes from both camps, right? There are folks who listen to get into pop music and they just don't think classical music's for them. And there are folks who do classical music and think that pop music or popular music is beneath them. In the study of popular culture, we certainly talk about that, the differences between popular culture and high culture. High culture would include things like classical music, opera, ballet, stuff like that. Even think about the scene from way back in the original Footloose back in the 80s, where Ren, right, Kevin Bacon's character, he wants to bring, you know, rock and roll music to the town mm-hmm. and a dance and a dance that goes with that. And John Lithgow's character, he listens to classical music. And at one point, I think I think it's he's talking to his daughter, who, of course, is, da- you know, starts dating Ren that, you know, he says, well, no, classical music's different. It's uplifting. And that's that that sort of old idea that we still see to some degree today. It's broken down in a lot of ways that it over the last several decades, for sure. But one of the things is that despite the fact that sometimes these are perceived as different, and they are different in a lot of ways, there's a lot of similarities there. And, and as you talk about the, the idea of capturing sound effectively, the techniques that we use to do so, even some of the, the ways in which uh, they're written and the types of chord progressions that are done. Now, certainly we talk about opera, we talk about jazz, we talk about pop music. There are different ways in which chords are used. There's different ways in which patterns of music are used there. But to some degree, there's some real similarities there. And it's always interesting to see the ways that that crosses over. Yeah. And I've seen a lot lately. I know 2020 has been a you know year off the charts per se, but I've seen over the years an appreciation for, hey, come on down to... You know, the amphitheater tonight, the orchestra is going to play John Williams and we're going to play movie clips to it. So there has been a lot of classical music appreciation. A lot of today they're trying to tie it into pop culture in that mm-hmm. way. But I have seen places packed, you know, for appreciation mm-hmm. and trying to get some new fans into the mix. Yeah, that's a great connection you mentioned. A lot of orchestras will have their pops series and they'll play like, like you said, a movie music. 
Star Wars became sort of famous for that. You mentioned John Williams with Jaws and Star Wars and Superman and, you know, all of the stuff that he did. There's a real popular culture element to that. One of the other places we see this is over the years, a lot of heavy metal guitarists playing classical music on electric guitar. And that's sort of a, a thing that they do. And, and in fact, what it does is it helps you as, as a musician because you see possibilities for music and for even writing popular music because you've learned these types of progressions and chord patterns that you use in classical music and you've sort of expanded your range in the process. Yeah, I mean, some of the most famous guitarists, I mean, our last podcast was about Eddie Van Halen. He was classically trained on piano. And then you had Randy Rhodes, Ozzy Osbourne's guitarist that was 100% trained classical. So yeah, there's a lot of crossover. And it is interesting to get into the conversation with Liz about her appreciation to the music, her contributions in this category. So Ray, without further ado, we'll turn it over to Liz and we'll come back and wrap it up. All right, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Tunes Mate. I have the honor to be joined today by singer, writer, actor, voiceover artist, and performer, Liz Huff. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, Mark. I am very happy to be here. And thank you for that. Very excited to have you here too. Yeah. It's I know it's been a while since we connected, but I have been watching everything that you've been working through. I've read your newsletter. I saw you have a new podcast out. You've been performing. I know it's COVID times. How has that been working for you? Uh COVID has been interesting. Like a lot of us in the performing arts, there are a lot of gigs that just went away right away. And then some I was able to do you know, recording online for, which was nice. And then people started figuring things out. I don't know if you're familiar with Cleveland Public Theater. They do this thing called The Dark Room. I've heard of it. Yeah, they, it's a wonderful group of people. And normally, non-COVID times, <laughs> it's the second Tuesday of every month. And actors and writers would come together. And if you're a writer, you bring stuff to be read. And if you're an actor, you sign up to read. And they moved that online. And it's been cool because I've been able to make so many more of them than normal. And then we even had people like playwrights from like New York and London and stuff. And I'm like, what's going on? So it's been really lovely to have that community online, even though we can't meet in person. Yeah. And you're doing so many things, which I think is awesome. And it seems music is very passionate to you. I saw that you've launched a new podcast. Love to talk about that. But is that what's driving you? Is it about the music? A lot of it is. I come from a very musical family. My dad is a singer and used to play baritone, which is like a half-size tuba kind of thing, brass instrument. My mom played piano and organ and trombone and sang, and my brother's bass player with the Huntsville Symphony. We actually both ended up here in Cleveland at the same time going to the Cleveland Institute of Music. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, and we sang and played together from the time we were little. Like, I think I probably learned to read music as soon as I learned to read words. So it's sort of in the DNA, and it definitely is something that drives me. Yeah. So could you describe your music? the singing that you're doing. I know it's difficult to summarize <laughs> in a brief moment everything that you're doing, but for our audience, Tunes Made is all about introducing people to new music. We mm -hmm. always 
seem to get caught up into the same music over and over, whether it's that favorite classic rock artist that you can't stop listening to, or maybe you fall into a very specific jazz artist. And we're trying to suggest new music for people to explore. Interested to find out about your new music and some of the things you're doing and and how that became part of your world. Uh, working in, when I was a, in school, I got the chance to work with a couple of composers and I found that I really liked that collaborative process of being able to talk with them about when doing, like if you're going to talk about a very little interpretation of new music. Yeah. And I, and I currently work with Ryan Charles Raymer, who's an amazing composer and I've premiered a lot of his stuff. And I love being able to like, like, oh, this part really works. This is cool. And how about we do this here? And like, this part's weird. <laughs> what did you want me to do? Kind of thing. And then I love listening to new music and I get it from everywhere. And I do listen. I have a very eclectic sort of listening taste, shall we say. Mm-hmm. A lot of it I get from like listening to WRUW, college radio. It's great college radio stuff on NPR, stuff my other musician friends send to me. Yeah, there's a lot of ways I try to find new music and I love listening to it. I will, at the risk of offending people, the only things I really don't like listening to are death metal and bad vocal jazz because that makes me want to, it makes me angry on a visceral level. (laughs) Yeah, like, "Ah, why are you doing that? Stop. So I listen to all kinds of stuff. And yeah, and I'm willing to check out a lot of things. And music wise, right now, I had been working on some stuff with Ryan. He had set a song cycle to Emily Dickinson poems mm. for Voice and Harp. And we got to do some of those at Happy Dog last year, which is really fun. And we were going to do it again this year. And then that's one of the things COVID kind of knocked out of the water. And then this, I'm going to say this, and I know it's going to sound like name dropping, but one of my other sources of music is. Because I did a a holiday CD a few years ago, I have this philosophy of let's see how far we can take things. And so I applied to the Recording Academy, and they're the ones that do the Grammys. And then you have to listen to all this stuff to make the choices. And I've learned so much about the new music that's out there right now just by listening to all the submissions. And I can't think, I'm trying to think if there's a public way people can see that. And if there is, I will find it and send it to you because I've heard stuff I would never have heard. Yeah. And the music that you're listening to. So what is on that playlist? What are some of the songs that are on there? <laughs> so there's, uh, do you know Janelle Monet? Yes. I love, love her stuff. And I only discovered it a few years ago. So I've been listening to a lot of her stuff recently. And then part of it depends on sort of the the mode I'm in and I can see I should have put together a full list for this. <laughs> I've been juggling I am also doing remote development work for an off-off Broadway theater and most of my morning was spent on that so I, I feel like I've come a little unprepared and I apologize yeah. for that well, no that's interesting though so it seems like once again through your intro you're singing, you're writing, you're acting, you're doing voiceovers, you're performing best you can throughout this period. So what's the common thread through all that? What's actually making you happy? What keeps you going? So yeah, and those are sort of the same answers. The common mm-hmm. thread to mm-hmm. a lot of the work I do is finding a way for someone to have a voice. 
Like if I, you know, if mm. someone can't speak for themselves, mm-hmm. like to find a way to make that voice heard, that's a common thread in a lot of the theater stuff I do and the music. And especially through music and comedy are the avenues that I'm choosing to do that work. And the theater that I do development fundraising work has a similar philosophy, you know, providing a place for playwrights from all walks of life to create their work and nurture them. Um, So that's really important for me. It's almost, you could almost say being a voice for the underdog, although not always, but that's certainly important to me. That's a big part of it. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's noble because through art, there's many ways to express yourself. And if you're focusing on that, and I know you said your music is parts, uh, there's some comedy aspect to that, and especially a lot of the theater that you're doing. So through that thread, when you're creating, and you talked about your past holiday album, was there a little of that in some of the music that you've created as well in the past? Yeah, and the finding a voice and then joy, like, like that to me sound cheesy, but bringing joy to people is another huge important thing to me, whether it's just through listening to music and connecting with that or making them laugh and making their life a little better, you know, for that day or whatever time that lasts, that is really important to me. And the one of the things I love about music is it meets you where you are. You know, there's so many different kinds of music out there. You can find one that you connect with and maybe makes you feel better. And storytelling is a big thing for me, too. It's sort of all jumbled together. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's also a desire to, like, share what you've learned and kind of make a mark or just, like, leave something in the world, you know, that hopefully people enjoy. And this holiday CD I did about five years ago now, I was at a friend's wedding in L.A., and I'd sung for part of the reception, so a Gershwin piece. I want to say it was Love Locked In, something like that. Anyway, so one of the guys asked me, he's like, do you have a Christmas CD? I'm like, no, but maybe I should. <laughs> you know, it's just like a random conversation that started that. And then there is, on the flight back, there is a Mark Ruffalo movie that came on. And it was about this record producer. And I was like, okay, <laughs> universe. I don't know if you're trying to send me a message, but I'm going to look into this record-making thing. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. And then I met so many wonderful people during the whole process. And since then, I've been able to use that information to help out other friends, like the people in the podcast and now the music. Yeah, I'd love to talk about that. Tell us about your new podcast. Yeah, it's called And Now the Music. And it's centered on music, mostly classical and jazz with some world, world music flavor in there. And my friend Bruce Gigax, who is the audio engineer for the Cleveland Orchestra, long time, for decades, is another COVID thing, right? And he's like, I'm listening to a lot of music online. The musicians are great. The sound isn't always great. I feel like I could contribute in that way to great sound. Would you be interested in doing something together? I'm like, yes, I would, of course. Right? It sounded great. <laughs> Thank you. And again, it's music people might not necessarily hear, and it's not necessarily pop or rock, but there is some rock stuff in there. And Bill Withers tune, among other things. And Bob Gruca, the guitarist, he has a background in rock music. And so does Linda, the flute player, actually. And so they both play classical and world and then do improvisation. And I've performed with both of them before and had them on the holiday CD. And I thought, oh, they would be a great choice for this kickoff to this podcast. And they're both lovely humans to boot, which is nice. (laughs) (laughs) It was definitely something that I think everyone should check out. And 
I'm looking forward to more episodes as you continue to work on that project. It seemed like everything was focused on that live music performance aspect, which seemed to be reflective to everything we've talked about thus far. Yeah. You know, something happens when you're listening to live music, right? That, that doesn't necessarily happen in other places. There's a sense of community. Yeah. And if we can't be together during COVID, at least we can have that sort of sensation of it. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. I felt it because I've listened to a lot of podcasts and also just I'm a music fan. So it was kind of a mix of both of those that I enjoyed. And one thing that I would love to get into a conversation about is your musical theater. That is a whole other avenue of expression (laughs) and it's live. I know it hasn't been something that you've been doing this last year or or not uh, in in a public aspect, but when you're out there and you're being a live performer, there are certain things that you take on that are a little bit different. And I know that this podcast is feeling a little bit of element, but when you're on stage and you're a live performer, when you're doing a musical, are there certain things you have to think about? Are there challenges that you have to overcome when you're performing? Yes. So there's the very basic knowing your stuff, know your part cold, know what's going on with the staging, you know, where you are in the story, like what the story is you're trying to tell and what part you contribute to that. But then in the very moment of doing it, you have to both have like a mastery of your instrument, which is your voice and your body, and an awareness Mm. of, and you'll see the improv link to this, of where you are in space with all these other people on stage. Because if you're not paying attention to that, bad things can happen. (laughs) I've got some stories, huh? Yeah, I do. You can, you know, from very like ridiculous, like accidentally run into someone or forget to come in when you're supposed to for an entrance or, you know, you don't want to step on someone's line and totally ruin, you know, either a laugh or an important dramatic moment. You just have to be very aware of what you're doing at all times on stage. And there's an electricity that happens that I've certainly experienced in doing live musicals where the audience reaction feeds you energy you know, and you convert that into your performance and give it back to them. And it's just, it's just a really cool experience. Are you familiar with the idea of flow? Yes. Yeah. So being in the middle of something and sort of just like, it's just going and just kind of this really amazing feeling. And then the show ends and you sort of snap out of it and like, wait, what just happened? And I imagine that's happened a lot in your career. I was checking out some of your prior your musical performances. Was there one, a musical that jumps out to you that you hearken back to and that you would love to be involved in again? The Light in the Piazza. It was in 2014 with Martin Friedman at Lakeland Civic Theater, Community Theater. And an amazing cast and a really wonderful show. Just like the whole thing worked. You know, the the director, the cast, the music is beautiful. The story is very touching and sort of heartrending. But there's also a lot of comedy. And I got to play an Italian lady who for most of most of the show doesn't speak English and then suddenly busts into this highly dramatic rending at your clothes moment with like, wait, I've got to explain what's happening right here in English. And the whole audience is like, what? <laughs> what? Okay. Like breaking the fourth wall kind of thing. That's awesome. Yeah. And I loved that show so much. You know, after you're doing like 16, 17 or more shows, sometimes mm-hmm. people can get a little like, okay. But I would go up every night to the lighting booth and watch the parts I wasn't in because I loved it so much. 
And I wasn't the only one doing that. For those of us that are not into musicals, what is the appeal? What is the draw just of musicals, period? So part of it is about the emotion. There's a, and I, I wish I could remember who said this, like when you're feeling an emotion too strong to speak it, you sing. And when it's stronger mm. than even that, you dance. And part of it is just connecting so strongly with something and just feeling it in your body. It's not just an intellectual thing. There's just a real sense of power and energy when you're singing and performing in something like that. That's definitely part of the draw. And just a lot of fun people, I will say, in theater in general. And what about the songs themselves? I feel like there's some particular musicals that you can't get the melody out of your head for weeks. Because the music is definitely unique. I can think about some of the, the famous musicals that are out there, but some of the musicals you've been involved in or some of the ones that you've helped produce, are there particular songs that jump out to you that you can't get the melody out of your head? A lot of the old Rodgers and Hammerstein mm-hmm. musicals just pop into my head right now as you were saying that, like I could have danced all night. Um, or, you know, Sondheim, Send in the Clowns. He actually doesn't have a lot of, they would say, not a lot of hummable tunes, but that one's pretty memorable. You know, isn't it for this? Going to your head. (laughs) Right? And it's going to keep playing for a while. (laughs) Yeah, there's so many. I actually started in opera. I don't know if you know that, but with my classical training. Yeah. I mean, I sang some musical, kind of started musical theater and, and even like church gospel stuff in junior high and high school and played French horn and piano back then. And then in undergrad, I started studying classical voice and my first opera was The Magic Flute. And I'd actually seen that. It was a nice kind of jumping off place, maybe. I'd seen Amadeus my senior year of high school. And I was like, Mozart. Oh, what? Amazing. And then my first opera in undergrad was The Magic Flute. And I loved it. I love the music. There's so much joy in that. Have you, have you seen Amadeus? Yes. What did you think? Well, this is many years ago. And I was actually, some of the questions I was going to go into was the appeal of opera, because that is definitely one genre I would say I know the least about. (laughs) And I don't know if the majority of the audience is in the same feeling, but that genre, and then also uh, some of the the classical music genre, I feel as though I'm lacking in that department. I know a lot of the, the highlights, but those are two areas that I would love to understand more about. So this is a whole, okay, so I'm going to plug a friend of mine's show. It's called Opera Happy Hour. It's put on by Jeremy Frank, who's a, an associate chorus master at Los Angeles Opera mm-hmm. and a voice coach, and he's amazing. And this Opera Happy Hour show will tell you a lot about that kind of stuff. He digs deep in a lot of things. And it, it is all paired with fun cocktails. I like it. <laughs> and um, genre, the, people think that opera is kind of highfalutin and snotty, but it really was, as Amadeus makes the case for, the popular music back in the day. And much the same way that hip-hop and rap and country and every other song style we have now is about passion and about real people's stories. Mm-hmm. That is still part of opera. And there's one of my favorite moments in opera is the marriage of Figaro, where this guy, this count, has kind of messed around on his wife, right? And and there's this place where he admits what he's done and, and he sings, Will you forgive me? And the music is glorious, but and it's a very simple but really deep sentiment in there. And I'm just like that just 
that gets me, that grabs me with a, right in the solar plexus every time I hear it. It's powerful. Uh-huh. I really wanted to get into, I'm a fan of your newsletter, What If? Mm-hmm. And <laughs> interested to find out how that began and how that ties into everything that you're doing. So... Yeah, that was, what was that, 2017? Mm-hmm. Back to that, I like to try things you know, and you know, throw a lot of stuff at the wall like spaghetti and see what sticks. <laughs> like, oh, this works. We'll take this and run with it. And part it was, I also love writing, as you've said, in, in many different ways, both just like writing you know, creative stuff. And I've got a lot of song. I have like a large pile of song lyrics. That's probably a discussion for another time. And I was thinking mm. of a lot of my projects have gotten started from that. Well, what if we do this? Like, what's going to happen? You know, why not? It could also be called why not, I suppose. <laughs> but I like the magic of what if. And so I like, I'm just going to put this out there. I don't know if there's a need for it, but I'm going to talk about the stuff I'm doing. I'm going to try to engage other people in conversation. Like, you're like, what are you thinking about doing? And why don't you go ahead and try that? Yeah. And then chocolate. So I, it's a... Uh, <laughs> Right. It's like the magic of what if musically inclined and chocolate fueled, I think was my tagline. I might have that backwards. So a huge aficionado of chocolate. So like, ooh, this is a forum for me to talk about it and share it with other people and get them to tell me what they like. It's a fun read. Yeah, good. And just put some stuff out there into the world. And it's been a really kind of a cool way for me to engage with people. I've had the most interesting responses about the most random <laughs> things I wasn't expecting someone to write me back about, but they did. And I, the other thing I really like to do is just as a person is connect people and connect people to like to other people and to ideas as sort of a catalyst and mm-hmm. see what comes out of that. That is one of my favorite things to do. Yeah, it sounds like we talked about a common thread earlier, but it sounds like you, know, you talked about throwing the you know, spaghetti against the wall. But at the same point, it's giving you an outlet to interact with an audience. And then you're amazed by the things that come back, just like when you're live performing or you're sending out a newsletter or your podcast or all the things you're doing. It really sounds like it's giving you an avenue to share your voice. And it sounds connected back to the underdog theory. Yes, exactly, actually. Because I will run across things. You know, even when you see a TV show or hear a musician, you're like, why don't people know about this, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to talk about this some more because I think I feel more people would like this, so why not share it? Yeah, there's a whole section in that newsletter about music. You know, and sometimes it's something that's well-known, but maybe hasn't someone hasn't heard recently, or it's someone no one's heard of. <laughs> I just happened to trip over it for whatever reason. I'm like, here, listen to this. You will like it. Yeah, you're right about the common threads. Yeah, so it sounds like is the best place to find out everything around Liz Huff. Is it LizHuff.net? <laughs> it is LizHuff.net. There's also, if you're a Facebook person, there's Liz Huff Performer page. Those are probably the two main things kind of go back and forth and of course if you're interested subscribe to the magic of what if you can find that on both my website and the performer page and your podcast yeah and the podcast we are we're gonna get two more in the can two more shows recorded and then i haven't actually released it to the directories yet you can find it on my, you know, on, on the facebook page we want to launch it when we've got three together and kind of make a little bigger splash mm-hmm. we hope and what else is up your sleeve what else is coming up I know you've got a lot. So you talked about lyric writing. You talked about doing some, was it coaching 
for production staff? I think I'm butchering. Oh, it's about, actually, that's actually fundraising for okay. the workshop theater. It's an off-off Broadway group, mm-hmm. and they're doing a lot of cool stuff online. There's going to be more stuff coming out this week on the website, so I'd say check that, workshoptheater.org. I'm doing standardized patient work at the Cleveland Clinic Learner College of Medicine. That's an acting gig where we help, we work with the student doctors and help make them better doctors, better at interacting with people. And hey, the holidays are coming up, so... I'd imagine there's, you've got your holiday CD, so. <laughs> yes, there is that. <laughs> Good call. Oh, it's my favorite thing. So like, I forgot the name of my own CD. They can find that on iTunes and Amazon and everything else. Wow. But I really appreciate you having me on here. Yeah, Mark. it was interesting to kind of get a background of everything you're doing. And it's very inspirational. And I think the music, that's something that we can always, like you said, it's going to meet you where you're at. I love that. And it's going to help inspire you. And I think through these times, I think music is one of those things that are keeping people powered up. And yes. you're part of that. Yeah. Okay. I'll take that. Sometimes it's hard to take compliments. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> I appreciate you being on the podcast too, Liz. And it's a pleasure. Likewise. Thank you. All right. Welcome back from the interview. Hope you enjoyed it. It was interesting. Liz does have a holiday CD that she recorded a while back, said five years ago or so. But Ray, it's is that time of year again. Yeah, it is, right? We, we just passed Halloween. And before Halloween started, I've seen numerous folks reporting on seeing Christmas decorations. I saw them in Target myself last week. You know, we're getting to where we're, it's November now, right? It's time for the Christmas stuff to start happening. And that means Christmas music, Christmas CDs, Christmas memories, everything that goes with that. And of course, yet another place that we see the the mixing of genre. I mean, that was probably one of the interesting parts. Well, there's a lot of interesting parts of the interview, but I think just the idea that you could be, you know, Liz tells the story that she was performing at a wedding and someone walked up and said, Hey, do you have a Christmas CD? And she's like, well, wait a minute. What? Um, <laughs> maybe I should make one. And <laughs> I think that is interesting how most artists, if you think about it, I don't care who you are, whether you're from Jim Brickman to Neil Zaza, to, <laughs> you know, Barry Manilow, Neil Diamond, all of the greats have a holiday CD, yep. have something they put out there. Now, Thanksgiving music, I think all I can really ever thought of was maybe Charlie Brown and Adam Sandler. So I guess that holiday kind of gets the snub a little bit. Yeah, you know, that there are certain, ho- I mean, Christmas is probably the big one for holidays. We just passed Halloween and there's a, you know, there's a certain number of Halloween songs. Thriller goes in that monster mash, right? There's a certain set of classics that go with that. Uh, Christmas is really the big one. Then, you know, Valentine's Day, kind of anything fits because of, you know, it's got the word love in it. You can use it. But then there are other holidays that, you know, yeah, Thanksgiving isn't one that we really associate music with that much. And it's one of those types of holidays like that. Yeah, it seems it just kind of blends in, you know, yeah. let's throw that into Thanksgiving, even, uh, you know, Christmas and in Hanukkah. And they just kind of yeah. let's throw in a New Year's Eve song in there. And that sounds good. Yeah. Just kind of blend it all in there. Yeah, New Year's Eve's another one. You know, for all the parties that go on, there's not a lot of New Year's Eve songs or New Year's Day songs. So there's New Year's Day by U2 is a little bit, it's not really a holiday song. It's about something a little bit different. But, you know, we've got Auld Lang Syne is probably the one that everybody knows. But, you know, otherwise, I remember the one by Wendy and Lisa from the film Toys in the early 90s. It was called The Closing of the Year, and it's actually a Christmas song. 
but given the title, the closing of the year, it, it kind of has a little bit of a, a crossover into New Year's Day. And that about exhausts my knowledge of New Year's song. Yeah, there's another one, I think, by Lou Rawls. That's What You Doing on New Year's Eve. <laughs> right. It may be another one that's out there. but It should make sense. This idea that, you know, people are looking for a date on New Year's Eve. There have been movies made about that. There's, you know, this whole idea that people go to parties. And so, I mean, it makes sense that you would have New Year's Eve music and you don't. Yeah. No. You have old Lang Syne and that's it, you know? Uh, yeah, yeah. Or I think of uh, the ending of When Harry Met Sally, right? You know, maybe uh, don't get around much anymore and it had to be you from Harry Connick Jr. count or something, you know? Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, the holidays are upon us and we're going to keep moving forward. Every time we come up to a new holiday, there's always something special that we like to focus on. And especially as we hit these times this year, some of the the specials we've been putting out there, Ray, are going to hit home even stronger. Right. Yeah, it'll be, uh, you know, it's a different feel for Christmas and the holidays this year. And so it's a different feel for music in some ways. But, you know, some folks are putting out new holiday CDs for this year, you know, and so there's still going to be stuff out there. Yeah. According to all the musicians that have been in lockdown, there's going to be a lot of music release. And I think a lot of the artists were holding on to it, anticipating, well, maybe I should release it because eventually I'll go on tour. And they said, well, I don't see any end in sight, so I'm just going to release it. So who knows? We always have your uh, daily 80s flashback. We're doing working remotely and music to help us get through everything together. So we want you to tune in, check it out. There's always something to get you inspired and kick your day off. And that's what we're always trying to achieve here. And especially with Liz and her music as well have you go out and check out what she is doing and there's always something out there that we're trying to point you in the direction of we'll keep cranking out the songs to think about and songs to make you feel good and songs to to just make you you know feel good about music and that's what we're doing tune in subscribe give us likes rate us retweet whatever you can do to help get the word out there we appreciate it once again I'm Mark and I'm Ray and we will see you